Hi, it's me, Lori, and I'm doing my second podcast on freaking believable. I'm actually out in my backyard. Now, my backyard is not going to be my backyard in a few weeks because uh, we're uh, moving. Our backyard now, it's just all green and, and there's purple leaves on some of the trees. And I don't know much about trees, but it's beautiful. And we have more garden and you know what to do with. And it's just beautiful. It's interesting, though, that with all this beauty, how things can change on the dime. In fact, the beauty that I see is to me is it's an illusion in a way. It's kind of like we've got this pandemic going on, right? And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I think we're all getting sick of it. <laughs> no pun intended there. Anyway, I wanted to share with you about illusions and things that are real and things that aren't real. And sometimes the moment of every second that we live, you, I kind of wonder how real it is as opposed to looking at our past or looking into our future. I often wonder, too, why certain parts of my life stay with me as much as they do. Some people have told me, Lori, let it go. Let it go. Sounds like a song, right? Anyway, let it be? No. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a song. Let it go. And why can't many of the witnesses who experienced and felt the sensitivity at RAF Bentwaters let it go or let it be? Every day, it's still there. It's there in my drawings. It's there just in my life. And I've finally took many, many years to embrace the fact that, you know, I was part of something that I, I can't really quite explain. I can share what I saw through my mind and what I saw with my eyes when it came to the actual UFO sighting. I'll tell you one thing, most of it, in my humble opinion, it was embarrassing. You know, anytime you would stick out was not a good thing, especially back then. You've got performance appraisals hanging over your head. You've got all kinds of things. People are just sizing you up left and right. I mean, that was the nature of the place. And was really, really kind of cutthroat when I look back on it, especially for women. It's still hard for women. I mean, there's no doubt. You can read a bunch of information about women, how they're treated, blah, blah, blah. Some people will say, well, I treat them well. And what a lot of people don't realize is the power of privilege, is that the privilege is that you don't have to pay attention to the way women or others are treated. And an example would be these conferences that are going on about the UFO. And in fact, those are kids in the background having fun, not social distancing, those crazy cats. Anyway, there are all these. <laughs> That's a squeal of joy. Hope they don't get the coronavirus. Because then that'll be a different kind of scream. So I look at the... Um, 
the main players of the Rendlesham Forest incident, and in my case, the Eastgate incident, E-G-I, Eastgate incident. And now here's where the rabbit hole comes into play, too. you got to understand, at RAF Bentwaters and Woodbridge, if you ever, ever decide to go visit, you can see a lot of rabbits, a lot of happy little rabbits now, I bet. But there were farmers back then, I don't know if it's still the same way, that actually would put poison down on rabbits and causing them to uh, go blind, have this pussy stuff coming out of their eyes. It was pretty horrific. And so there were a lot of dead rabbits also. And one Easter, actually, it was kind of a, you know, when you're trying to keep awake, you sometimes find yourself doing some crazy stuff. And I was on the main gate at RAF Woodbridge once, and there happened to be somebody had dug a hole right in front of where the gate shack was. And one of the guys, it was Easter Sunday. It was middle of the night, but it was still Easter Sunday. And one of the guys on patrol said to me, hey, Ray Felt, I found the Easter bunny. And I was thinking, oh, really? thinking, oh, that's cute. And he opens the door and throws a dead rabbit in my direction. It landed in front of me. It wasn't whatever. But I looked at that rabbit and I thought, you know, it's pretty horrific. And I don't know what got into me, but like a lot of the guys, we, we were kids. So I guess we were kind of playful and we all had whacked out, warped senses of humor. So I decided, well, we've got a hole there, and we've got a rabbit. Why don't we put the rabbit in the hole and put some treats under his paw? And then a few hours later, my relief came, um, the day, day shift, A flight. And I remember it was actually uh, Jerry Malcolm was on a a flight at this point and she said oh everything looks good okay you're relieved and I, I said to her everything looks good and she goes yeah and I said you don't see anything out of the ordinary and she's like no and I said are you sure and she said what and I pointed down and she went ballistic she's like get that out of here get that out of here and I was like grabbing my stuff and jumping into the patrol car and I don't know what she did or how she handled it but you had to have some levity somewhere along the line. But now I look back and I regret doing that to a poor creature that already went through a horrific death. But, yeah, that was hard. And so with this rabbit hole, I, I just think that what we were experiencing there, there were just so many layers to it. And in some cases, there was, for me, and again, I can't talk about, talk for everybody, there was always a sense of forebodingness. But back to the fact that I was a woman, there was a lot of things that I couldn't, I couldn't share. And there, I felt I could not share it. And there were a lot of things that will come out in Capel Green. And I promised Capel Green I would not share it. Um, but for me, it was embarrassing. For me, it was something that was scary. For me, it was something I wanted to get away from. I wanted to forget it, uh, you know, the whole thing. But the problem is, 
when you start looking at women, and here again, pay attention to the conferences, pay attention to the to the people that are at the at the head of the UFO, UFOlogy. Now, I'm not a researcher. Don't really plan on ever being a researcher. I, however, maybe I am a researcher because I want to understand what happened to me, where, you know, what happened, what was it that we felt, why does it still nag at us, why can't, why can't we run away from it, why can't it just go away, who's watching us, okay, that's an interesting thought, who's watching us, and why isn't the squadron commander, Major Zickler, why isn't he even addressing what's gone on? especially since he seemed to be, uh, he got into working with uh, secure, communication security and special ops and that kind of thing down the road. And it's like, do you want to know a secret? Not really, but he has a lot of secrets. And if he doesn't think he does, then I don't know really what to say, but apparently he pretty much, uh, he ran the show for the 81st Security Police Squadron. And it wasn't pretty. You know, every batch of new guys that would show up, security guys, out of tech school, which is Lackland, pretty much fresh out of high school, um, would get to Bentwaters. And it was completely a in a disillusion. It was completely disappointing. It was boring. It was, it was just kind of, oh my God, what are we going to do? I guess the plus side to it was we weren't that far from London, but when you're working crazy hours, uh, four to 12, not including the time it takes to prepare and whatnot, and the time it takes to hand in your weapon and all this other stuff, um, to the point that you're working crazy hours, like I said. So you're working eight, eight to twelve. Oh, excuse me. You're working, uh, really th three to one, or you're working, um, eleven to nine in the morning. So y you get off, and you've got twenty-four hour break between each, between three swings and three mids. There's a twenty-four hour break which isn't really much of a break. But they would use it, and we'd have to do some training. Uh, we would do some um, NBC training, which is kind of interesting, especially with uh, the biological aspect of the coronavirus. Um, so I, I did learn about decontamination. In fact, my 27 years in the military, believe me, I it was definitely drilled. And... I'm trying to think. Um, so back to these researchers, and, and I, I do apologize that I do mention it, is that there are some researchers that seem to have a hold on the community to the point that these researchers can say something and it is gospel. And I have a problem with that. Actually, I have a problem with people that do that. I have a problem with manipulation because I'm not good at it. I wish I was. No, I don't wish I was. I don't want to be manipulative. But there are people out there that are manipulative that 
hang on certain words, do this catch 22, um, or kind of do this cliffhanger, I should say, you know, and, and the other ones with this voice that people are really, really listening to. And I really, really hate to say it, but you got to really, really look carefully at who's saying what, including me, including me, I swear, including me. I've, I've so far had a pretty good reputation as for people will say, well, you know, Lori's story really hasn't changed because it, it, how can I change it? The only thing I find at this point in my life, because now I'm 60, I'm no longer that 18, 19, 20 year old kid. Actually, I got there, I was 18 at RF Bentwaters and I left there, I was 21. Feels like I was there for those whole 18, 19, 20, four years, but it was really only two and a half years. Um, and I felt like now I've got this feeling that I really need to share it. I've been wanting to share my story for a really long time. And I've done various um, podcasts and all kinds of different uh, venues to get my story out. I've shared as much as I could through pictures, uh, through Disclosure pro Project. I was in in contact with Georgina Bruni, um, and I put her in contact with other witnesses. And it was still like the story was not getting out. My story was not getting out. Everyone is so focused on Rendlesham Forest incident. And, and I have no problem with that. I have no problem with RFI. I have a problem that it's not the beginning, it's not the middle, it's not the end, it's not the end all. If you think it's the end all, then, then you're really doing yourself a disservice because, because there's stuff happening out there still. There's, there's a, a nature out there that we don't really understand and probably don't want to understand. And, and for good reason, reason, because it's like a Ouija board, you know, once you play with it, you don't know if whatever is out there, the spiritual world or whatnot, that's out there that's going to suck you in, you know? So, I mean, it's okay to be afraid. That's for sure. And, and I was, I was afraid quite a bit, not all the time, I mean, I was there for two and a half years. In fact, I extended. I should have left in May of 1980. Instead, I left in May of, uh, excuse me, I left in December, December 15th, 1980. So I must have liked it. I did. I, I liked living in Wickham Market. I loved, uh, I had my little car that, my little Opal Ascona that was rusted out beyond measure that my supervisor, Dan Kaler, would go up to it with this little Parker ballpoint pen and start poking at the rust that was holding my car together. And I'm like, Dan, stop that. And he was trying to tell me, you really need to get a new car. And I'm like, stop it. And just uh, when I got a chance to live off base, that was a huge, huge relief, huge relief for me. I, I think living on the base kept me in that stress mode. There was something on the base that was just uh, 
It was just very, very, very stressful. Now, someone should be questioning that. Why is a sleepy little bass stressful? Are people questioning it? I don't know. I am. I don't understand it, but I felt it. I I had that fight or flight feeling. And I had the feeling like something was pressed down on me. I had so many feelings about it. And then I was watching all these security guys doing stupid stuff and getting kicked out. Not all of them. I got to tell you, there are a lot of great security guys at the 81st Security Police Squadron. And I hope I'll be able to invite some of them onto my podcast. One in particular, even though I did not know him at the time, because I was checked I was checking out on December 1st, 1980. In my mind, I was probably working a gate shack because I was now on day shift. And I remember distinctly seeing the blue school bus go go through. I had to wave it onto the base. I was on I was on post 12, which is the main gate of RAF Woodbridge. And I could see all these young guys. Now I felt old. I was 21. I felt old. Go figure. And so I saw this bus full of young security guys driving through. And they they all kind of looked, they looked happy. They looked kind of excited. They looked nervous. They looked I mean, this is, I'm, I'm looking at them from, I'm outside, they're inside, but they had this look of, well, we're going to training, we're going to be training, and, and I knew they were training, and I knew they'd be training, they wouldn't be put on flight for a few more weeks, and all I could think of is I wished with all my might that I had it in me to be able to tell them to watch their back. Because there was something wrong with the place, no doubt. And one of these people, you know, and I saw what they were doing. I, it was very, very manipulative and very, very condescending and very humiliating that how they would treat someone especially someone who's going to talk or someone that's going to ask questions. You don't do that. And, uh, Major Ziegler and Major Drury and a bunch of them, they had zero tolerance. And everybody was kind of hop toing it. All the uh, shift commanders were, you know, they, they were they were kind of scared, too. I mean, they were all kind of, everyone was worried about, um, you know, pissing off, I guess, Major Ziegler. And, and, I mean, we all pissed them off one way or another, whether it was... You never wear gloves. You're on the main gate. You never wear white gloves. And then all of a sudden, you get a phone call saying, Rafael, where's your white gloves? And I'm like, well, I wasn't issued any. And they're like, well, you better go to supply and pick some up, and you got to start wearing them now. And I'm like, well, that's a nice way of putting it, you know? I'm like, why am I the bad person? Just because somebody saw me, I waved them on the base, I gave them a nice salute, and then they're like, you know, torquing me off here, you know? And, uh, but anyway, I just think that there was just a lot of minor stuff that went on that 
it was so unnecessary. So when I saw these guys going past the gate, all I thought about was, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you with all my might. You probably would not believe me if I explained what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I've witnessed and 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 how I met someone and how they changed into somebody completely different, that they got thrown out of the military. You know, um, how people were really abused uh, mentally. And again, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. Anyway, my heart went out to them, especially when I read Left at Eastgate with Larry Warren in it. And I could see clearly what was happening and um, the behaviors of all the people and the way they reacted, like, shut up. Shut that F up. Uh, that was normal. That was the way it was back then. So a lot of folks think that RFI and all this stuff is like, why are they all so hostile? Why is everybody hostile? Well, guess what? When you're at RAF Bentwaters or you're surrounded by the subject matter of RAF Bentwaters, RAF Woodbridge, guess what? Rendlesham Forest. It's, it's mean. It's downright mean. And... It's sad what's going on right now with the trolls and the one person and the people that I want to respect and I don't are some of the researchers out there. And I don't feel like saying saying his name, but he's going to be, let's just put it this way, he's going to be a contact of the desert or contact on the desert as a representative of someone who worked for MOD in 1995, who saw the cold case file of what happened at RAF Bentwaters in 1980 when he was 15 years old, okay? Why he's even going to be on that panel is beyond me because most people, I'm sure, would be more interested in, let's talk to some people that were there, don't you think? Let's talk to someone who's there. Well, anyway, I... um went over I'm about 22 minutes into this and it says that my browser can only go up to 30 minutes I don't know what that means but I am now going to select a song and I'm going to check out and I hope you all get to see this I'm kind of getting a little bit of a handle on it just a little bit and uh, I wish you all well stay safe Take care of each other and do the social distancing. If you're sick, get tested if you can. If you can't, do the social distancing. And, and my heart goes out to each and every one of you because this is a, this is a real, we're in a time of uncertainty for sure. And just know that there are people out there like myself who, if there's anything I can do to help, I am there for you. But at this point, at a social distancing position. Anyway, be kind to each other. Bye-bye. Hi. You know, 
we've always defined ourselves by the ability to overcome the impossible. And we count these moments, these moments when we dare to aim higher, to break barriers, to reach for the stars, to make the unknown known. We count these moments as our proudest achievements. But we lost all that, or perhaps we've just forgotten that we're still pioneers, and we've barely begun, and that's our greatest accomplishments, cannot be behind us, because our destiny lies above us and beyond us. There's several quotes, and that was one that came from Interstellar, and Intercella had some really, really great quotes. To give you an example, time is relative, okay? It can stretch and it can squeeze, but it can't run backwards. Just can't. The only thing that can move across dimensions like time is gravity. And here's another, another interesting one. Maybe we spent too long trying to figure all this out with theory. So listen to me. When I say that love is not something we invented, it's observable, observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love is the one thing that transcends time and space. Isn't that the truth? Some of these th thoughts are really, really very, very thought-provoking and interesting, yet on the other hand, really twisted. I mean, twisted to the point of when we think of dimensions, when we think of ways of how we view the earth, how we view ourselves, how we view what we're going through right now, and what happens when ordinary people see extraordinary things. And there's a lot more going on and on as each day goes by. It's almost as if somebody has been saying to us that uh, now's the time. Um, we're going to see more of what we don't even know. And it's going to come faster and faster. I believe that. One thing that I started this podcast is because I find it's just very important that another voice is heard. And uh, I think my voice is pretty okay. And it's just really, really important that with the paranormal, with the UFO community, with all of us trying to understand the meaning of why we're here and where we're going and how everything really works, and, of course, it's all the mystery, right? 
And who doesn't like a good mystery? I'll tell you that. Well, I started the Lone Ranger UFO site on Facebook, mainly because I was kicked off of the 81st Security Police Squadron of Rendlesham. I'm trying to think how, how it went. It was the Rendlesham Justice for the 81st Security Police Squadron in 1980. Um, because in December, for three nights, uh, there was UFO activity in December 1980, at the end of December, near, around Christmas time. Fortunate for me, I was not there. I left there October. December 15th, and I actually left there thinking that I had so much more to do, yet I wanted to escape, and I don't care how people take that, whether they take it as, as they take it as uh, whining or complaining or this or that, I'm just telling you my reality and my facts. So most of us, I think, want to know what we know or why we know what we know. And who put, who put this in my mind? Because why would I know what I know? And don't tell me I don't know something that I do know. And so through the Lone Ranger UFO site that I created, and I think it was back in 2013, and I just, uh, I was kind of mad. And I really felt like once again, Lori Rayfield is the Lone Ranger. I mean, I got to do it myself. If I don't do it myself, if I wait for somebody to invite me to do it, and it's still going on, then I could be waiting a very, very long time. Who wants to wait? Especially now. I mean, I really... I don't think I'm afforded the time to really wait to be able to sit and talk and listen to what others have to have to say, which I want to do. I um, it's it's just a crazy world we're living in. As they say, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. What are we guaranteed? I was just talking to my sister Donna on the phone earlier, and I read her something that I had written for my dad, who passed away in November 12th, 2019. And it's just pretty much the same thing. I miss him. But where is he? Besides the fact when I think about him, he's on my right side. There's something going on with that. I'll have to look up why right side, why not my left side. But he's not on my left side. And he's got a big smile on his face. So he knows it's like, are you talking about me again? Um, and anyway, I started to cry. And it was mainly because I miss him. And I, I think it's human nature. But what, what, if, what if he is his spirit, his, is in another dimension, is probably closer than we realize because we really don't know. I mean, we always think of heaven as being up and hell being down. Um, but what if, 
what if heaven and hell are really uh, locations out there in the universe? And and maybe the way we've gotten here, whether it's through the Garden of Eden to get here, maybe there are there are portals. You know, I mean, it doesn't doesn't not make sense. And there are hotbeds in the in the world that are very sensitive, and I think the spirits out there get riled up too. And I think they do that when they realize someone is in front of them that's intuitive. And there are a lot of intuitive uh, people, a lot of psychic people out there. There are a lot of people out there that know how to do the sixth sense. I mean, they got it. Um, maybe they're, they're onto the seventh sense. And maybe people like me who just kind of pay attention to coincidences and pay attention to uh, insights through the example Celestine prophecy. Uh, deja vu. We all think about things like that. We're like, wow, I, I did that before. Why am I going through the motions of something that happened already? And, you know, then we chalk it up and we go on. Uh, but we all know we're on a journey. And this journey to me has me questioning a lot about not only just my life here on earth, but the lives of people that have been here before and that are reaching out to us, paranormal. And, um, and there's a lot to be said. I did, as most of you know, a video, um, excuse me, a documentary, I keep calling it a video, uh, a documentary called Capel Green, just a small part. I have no idea what he's going to show, what footage he's going to use or whatnot. So it'll be a big surprise to me. Maybe I'll, I'll come out and say, are you kidding me? No, I wouldn't do that. I, I just gave my part and had the courage to share more of my story. And the, the hardest thing about it is when people are listening, sometimes you're sitting back and you could possibly be just listening and saying, well, that's not true. How could you, how could you say that? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, what are you, what are you, you got a good imagination there. What if it's imagination that you don't want? What if it's like an imagination that is like, wow, that's pretty scary. I don't want that. What if, what if it's what if it's like uh, you know the, you see some of these shows where the boogeyman is real, you know? I mean, we just don't know. And I think that talking to someone like myself or others who understand the deeper connection because there are a lot of people out there whether it's on my Rendlesham page or other pages out there or other Twitter now I finally got into that and tweet my life away as long as I stay away from El Presidente and what I'm finding out is that there are people out there that research and observe 
And then there are people out there that experience. And you see, for me, I, like I said, this this is new. This is new to me. As for this podcast, it's new to me, okay? This is my first one. So how is it that when you bring people together that have insight or are apparently a lightning rod to what's out there, and some more than others, sensitivity is on a, it's on a range, some are more sensitive than others, and sensitivity doesn't mean that you're sensitive, like, oh, you know, you're sympathetic to other people, uh, that's when you're empathetic, I, I, which I am, and I was in a military unit, you know, the 81st Security Police Squadron. And back then I realized that I needed to be more logical. I needed to be more pragmatic. I needed to be all these things that I really wasn't. I needed to do this to succeed, uh, to get pr my next promotion, to, to get a slap on the back to say, you're doing a good job, to for all the reasons that really have no meaning when you come through when you boil it down um, you can get that slap on the back but then there's the next day so so anyway i wanted to fit in of course that's typical of a 18 19 year old don't we all i mean i really did want to fit in and in some ways, I really tried to be almost like uh, Mr. Spock on Star Trek and not really feel much compassion, but that didn't happen. It was just pretty much throwing a cover over my feelings. I still felt passion, and I still felt like, needing to help people. I mean, I went into law enforcement because I thought law enforcement people actually help people, you know. You, you get in trouble, you call the police. And but anyway, it was it was tough back then. So, while I'm going through just the regular obstacle course of surviving boredom, surviving the loneliness, surviving the cold, so so just surviving, being around a bunch of older men that really saw no purpose of having me, having a woman there, um, being told that, you know, I was a WAF, which is a woman in the Air Force back in the day. And I said, no, no, they got rid of that phrase WAF. I'm not a WAF. Um, I'm an airman. So... So much has changed over time, which I'm really, really happy about. And but back then, and same with now. I mean, that's what that's where change happens. I mean, we we're all on that wavelength of making change happen and and finding acceptance in things that we weren't very accepting about. So I decided to do this podcast and. I'm probably going to keep it pretty short because, like I said, this is my first one. This podcast is called The Rabbit Hole, 
and I will hope that I can get guests and maybe somebody else to speak because I don't like talking all the time. But I do like the idea of getting my story out there because I don't get any help by waiting. It doesn't help me, doesn't serve me, doesn't serve so many folks out there. And I want to hear the stories of others out there because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. So I kind of want to see it spread out to just more than listening to the same old, same old. And uh, I look forward to being a part of the um, inter- integral, I don't know, being a main part or one of the pieces of the UFO community. So I'm here to help. And... I wish that everyone, since today is March 25th, 2020, and we're going through a pandemic virus, that everyone is being safe, washing their hands, doing the right thing. Because remember, this this whole thing is hitting our DNA and our RNA and all these things that I should have listened to in biology class, but I did not. And anyway... Peace to all, and good night.